Welcome to Fairfax County's podcast that discusses everything environment within the county and how the dedicated people from our Department of Public Works and Environmental Services keep on doing what they do to help our residents and our environment. I'm Scott Coco. Today we have our first three-time guest on the show, Eric Forbes, Director of the Solid Waste Division of the Solid Waste Management Program here at the county. And uh, Eric, it has been an interesting year for you and you guys down there. Um, Before we get into our main topic, you know, we've talked a lot about recycling, trash pickup during the pandemic. Tell me uh, how things are going now and how are things going to look here coming this summer? So thank you, Scott. And um, I'm happy to be a three-peat here, uh, the first of three-peat. I feel like uh, that's a great honor. So thank you. And it's always a pleasure to come talk about our programs. Um, and right now, I think our team, you know, uh, we we can't give the folks in the field that provide the services for Fairfax County and in the office enough credit for, you know, how they're able to persevere through the challenging last 12 months or so that we've had. It's uh it's been an amazing story. Maybe there'll be movies about this in the future, talking about how you know people overcame the the struggles that they've had. Um, the fact that our services, other than a blip in yard waste, were pretty much un, um, unimpacted uh, by this pandemic is really a testament to the strength of the the workforce that we have, the team that we have. Um, looking at at our future, it looks bright. Um, uh, you know, I think. Uh, it's a new norm, and, and we've we've kind of got that. Um, we've definitely had some changes, uh, like we mentioned before, and we've talked about. Um, but in terms of services, we're looking at new uh, new things, you know. So it's not like just maintaining or keeping up with this new uh, challenge of the pandemic, but actually, okay, how can we improve? What's our next thing? Um, in terms of what services we provide to the county and to our residents. Um, and, and that's what makes the job so rewarding, right, is, is being a part of that team that, to be able to help the community. Um, and I think what we're going to talk about today is one of those things, and it'll be a focus for us this summer and, and trying to spread the word and opportunities like this help us. So um, once again, thank you for that. Uh, you know, our sites are open. Um, they've been open. Um, so not a lot of changes, I think, that you'll see as a, from a customer standpoint. Um, if you come to our transfer station right now, we are doing a pretty substantial project um, that's really going to help launch um, a, a new look and feel to that facility. Mm-hmm. Um it's right. In, it's an island that we're building, actually, and it's uh, we're, we're taking over impervious area and putting some green space, um, and and it's going to really change. We're going to plant it and and make it look like a nice feature uh, coming into the transfer station. So it's it's uh, oftentimes we hear it's the favorite county facility. We're just trying to <laughs> kind of up the game a little bit okay. um, to make the experience even better for our, our customers, our residents, and the commercial haulers that come to the facility. So with the pandemic people have changed a lot of their habits at home maybe eating more takeout maybe cooking a lot more maybe generating more trash or less trash what what are some of the impacts that the transfer stations uh and everything have noticed what what are some of the trends some of the changes and what might have permanently changed that that you guys have had to adjust to so it, that, that's a great question. You know, I think all of us as individuals, uh, how we spend our times changed the last year. Um, you know, in the community, there's there's less activities that we go do and we do more at home. So, uh, you know, I think there has been some changes on what's being produced at home. Uh, some people, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, um, it was a time to kind of 
look around the house that you're home now all of a sudden and uh, think about what you could clean up, which room to, to kind of spruce up a little bit since you're going to be in that space a lot more. Um, so we did see some of that at the beginning. Um, in terms of like impacts at the curbside um, and for the collection companies and uh, the sanitary district customers that the county provides service for, um, you know, limiting touches for our collection crews, things like that, where trying to, to make sure that, that their health is something that is very important and that we can take in consideration. So people not putting a lot of waste outside of bins. So, you know, let's keep it minimized to the bins themselves. Um, and, and I think that should stick. And, and I'd imagine that that will kind of persist as we go, um, you know, in our community. Um, and that's really just a worker health thing. You know, the less they have to right. bend down and pick up outside of the cart, the better. Um, it's better for their, their, their physical, their ergonomics, their back, everything, and, and the, the touches on that stuff for um, things like a virus that might be on there. So, uh, some of those things will stick. Um, and maybe help out when there's bad weather and stuff gets blown all around or uh, uh, critters come and make holes and stuff and less stuff around, you know, that it's probably better for everybody all involved. Yep. That environmental side is a big part of it, right? And, and, and you know, that's what those containers provide is something that helps keep that waste in one place and it doesn't get in the curb line and maybe down in the storm drain or down into that uh, storm water basin that's further downstream. So, yeah, all that's good, and um, it, it will will stick, I think. So, why we brought you here today is to talk about a recent change here at the county, which I know we've been trying to get for quite a while. Um, is the change in yard waste only being accepted in, um, well, not being accepted in plastic bags? Tell me about a little bit about what has just recently passed and and what is what the changes have been made. Okay, great, Scott. Yeah, and that, that we're really interested in coming to talk about that. And you said it right. So this is a a, a prohibition or an elimination of the use of plastic in our our yard waste stream. Um, so uh, what that means is plastic bags are. Um, can be more convenient. They're readily available. And that's plastics throughout our lives, right? Um, it's not just for yard waste. Uh, we see more and more plastics being generated for everything we, we do. Um, and for the yard waste stream in particular, um, it's kind of one of those unnecessary conveniences um, and, and has been. And in that process, um, the yard waste that's collected curbside in these plastic bags went to a facility uh, where it gets processed into a compost. And, and through that process, the bags are torn, ripped, and that can happen at the curbside during collection or at the facility itself um, where they have to try and separate the plastic from that recyclable material. Um, and inevitably, it, it's hard to get all those little pieces out. Um, so the change was really to pull that plastic and that potential for microplastics in the environment later on when that compost is bought from a garden center or a big box store or wherever it ends up. Um, it's embedded in that material. So we're trying to get it out of the environment in the future um, and having that source of a potential microplastic in the environment. Um, and that was really the, the one of the main goals. This is an unnecessary convenience almost. Um, uh, there are other options. So, um, you know, and, and we like to talk about not bagging waste. You know, everybody kind of assumes paper bags is the best alternative. Uh, but there's definitely better alternatives that are tried and true and have been around for, for right, forever. Right, right. And, you know, I, I, I remember at one of the more recent uh, environmental committees, and this was actually before the vote, 
Um, and Supervisor Walkinshaw talked about Sisyphus and just constantly pushing the boulder up the hill, trying to get rid of all your yard waste and your leaves and just doing it over and over and over every year. And maybe there's a better way around that. And so, uh, and I, I know you had, a, I, at that meeting, I heard you call in and you had some great responses to some of the um, critique from some of the board members uh, on that. And so... I really appreciated that um, once you brought that up. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Yeah, and that's part of the message we want to get across today is, um, you know, look at other alternatives that are more sustainable, that maybe require less labor, um, that actually provide a nutrient source for your yard versus uh, bagging. And then, you know, people, it's always funny. It's, it's kind of like Supervisor Walkinshaw was saying. It's, you know, uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, you see there's uh, commercials for fertilizer to come, you know, fertilize your yawn, lawn so you get that nice green pop. And then you cut it all summer long because you fertilize it to grow really well. And then you bag that material, you put it at the curb. It has to be recycled, and, you know, that's a whole system. Um, so if you're actively mowing that back in the yard, you don't have to go buy that fertilizer if you're doing what's called grass cycling, mm -hmm. for instance. Um, and, and, you know, providing the nutrients from where they're originally coming from back into the system makes a lot of sense. So, so I did look up on the site, on the Yardway site. So if you go to fairfaxcounty.gov and you look at the um, – Public Works, Recycling Trash, Yard Waste section. If you just type yard-waste into the search in fairfaxcounty.gov, there is a section where they do talk about save time with grass cycling. Leaving your grass clippings in the lawn, they decompose and return the nutrients in the soil, saves time, money, and protects the environment. Your lawnmower probably has a mulching uh, part on it and uh, can, can certainly help. Uh, reduces labor and bagging, hauling, disposing, um, allows worms to do their job, reduces the need for a chemical fertilizer by up to 50%, uh, which is good on a number of different, both on your pocketbook, uh, time spreading the fertilizer, and also on the environment. And uh, that includes uh, leaving, uh, taking leaves also. I, I like the, the line that on the website says, leave leaves alone. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, it doesn't work in every situation, you know, and every yard is not going to be able to do that. But where, where we can change and, and re-examine kind of how we manage our yards, um, you know, I think providing that environmental benefit um, and that uplift will help. Um, you know, backyard composting is another uh, example where it fits and you can do it. Um, there's a lot of benefits there. You could actually provide the nutrient-rich material from your own yard back to your garden or your flower beds. Um, and and kind of have that circular system there, um, and and it like I said, it, it doesn't necessarily fit every situation, but you can kind of go through the list and say, well, this one, let's try this. This is something we can work at this year. See how we do. Um, if you have the space and the ability to do it, um, and then ultimately, if if you have to put it in something, um, you know, using a reusable container, um, and and that's one of those options. Um, that 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 container that you get, you can use it over and over and over. It's not producing plastic waste that will end up in that compost. When the trucks come by on, let's say, in my neighborhood, it's on Monday afternoons to come pick up the yard waste, um, and and that's grass clippings and leaves and what what else is all picked up, and goes in a. What size bin? How does that usually work? So, so what we recommend is to check with your collector. So, whoever provides your service to see what what size bin they recommend. 
Um, the code requires it to be under 50 pounds in weight. Mm -hmm. And that's so someone can grab it and move it and put it in the truck safely. And that applies to the bags, so paper bags and the reusable containers. So it can't be a huge bin necessarily because if you put a you right. know wet grass in a huge bin, it's going to get heavy pretty quick. Um, so in terms of the bin design or size, we're just asking our residents to talk to their haulers and see what they prefer to use. Mm -hmm. um, some haulers may offer a bin as part of the service with, for additional fee or maybe not. Um, and some might direct to a certain tile, type of container that they prefer you to have uh, for collecting. Um, old bins work too, and that could be the question is like I have this old bin for um, that I used to use for X and may I use it for yard waste. And, um, you know, what, what we're asking is if you're doing that and working and communicating with your, your collector who's providing the service, um, just label it as, as such. So put a sticker on there that says yard waste, a piece of tape, and, and mark it as yard waste so that the collection crews can readily identify it, especially if it has a lid. Mm -hmm. um, so they know that that's the yard waste container. Let's make sure that gets recycled properly. Um, so I, I know there were a couple members of the board. They had some concerns about this. And, um, you know, people that are interested in the environment, I, I think sometimes they might get deaf to some of the concerns or they might blow them off. Um, and so what, what are some of your responses to some of the cons that people or, or the worries that they have? Some of it might just be change. Um, some of it is the cost of, you know, paper bags, the durability of paper bags. Um, they're not as flexible or convenient to use. Um, how the ban will be enforced. Um, what, what are some of your responses to some of the, um, uh, concerns that people have with the change. So, so the first thing I like to think about is we're not the first community to kind of cut the path for this, right? You know, right. We're, we're, and we've talked about that. We're, we're one of the last communities mm -hmm. in this region to actually make this change, um, especially if you look at size. Um, uh, and so our neighbors have had these programs in place, some of them over a decade, um, and, and they're successful, and they're not using plastic bags, so they they're. Their landscaping companies, their homeowners, um, their residents that are generating this material have been using alternatives for a long time, including paper bags. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the first thing is, is this isn't new. It's new for us. And, yes, we're going to have to learn and, and kind of get better at what we're doing in, in some regard. But um, it's, it's a tried and true method and, and locally uh, in the region, but also nationally. Um, yeah, the other thing I like to consider is the cost thing you mentioned um, when that comes up. Well, we're not advising people go from bag to bag. Like, let's look at something else. Try another alternative if it fits first. So you might be able to save on bag costs 100% if you can do a grass cycling approach right. or a backyard composting approach. Um, in terms of the, the bag for bag costs, the, the plastic bags, if we did an analysis and we, we did quite a bit of research over the years and tracked bag costs, um, you know, multiple times throughout the process, um, and on average, a yard waste bag made out of plastic is about 30 cents a piece. And the paper bags um, that are compostable are about 50 cents a piece. And we recognize that is a cost increase. Um, but the long-term environmental cost of that plastic, you know, once it's in the environment, how are we going to get that back out and at what cost? Um, 
you know, the, the microplastic conversation isn't something that, you know, we necessarily need to cover here. There's lots of information online about it. It's kind of emerging as being a, a recognized problem, not only in our oceans, but in our streams. So, you know, if we can get plastic out of the environment, you know, that cost savings of future impact is huge. Um, uh, so I used to, I used to do where, uh, I, I know Fairfax city and some of the other places they actually, you can leave it out on the, the, the leaves and piles out on the curb and they'll come by and suck it up. Um, I actually used to pay to get a service to kind of do that because I hated bagging to begin with at all. So it was much easier just to rake it all out there and they come the next day and they, they suck it all up. So uh, that was an easy alternative for me. I was paying for it, but it was certainly a lot better than bagging. And, and that's a viable option now. I mean, there's um, some landscapers that don't bag. They That's not part of their business model. Good. They're vacuum leaf service providers, um, and that you can hire just that service, or you can kind of get that whole package of lawn care. Um, you know, so so we already see that in, in, in the county. You know, um, we already see a lot of paper bags being used as well. Yeah. Um, we did a survey last year. Um, and, and and the numbers for paper was about 30% were in paper, um, or it might have been a little lower than that. Um, it might have been actually 12 to 15% in paper, and then reusable containers was about 30. But it was about a 50-50 split. So 50% mm -hmm. of the people were using plastic bags still, and then 50% of the residents that we saw were using an alternative, either a reusable container or a paper bag. Um, so that was happening before the code change and during a transition year. Uh, so that, that, that goes to show that there's a lot of people that are already conscious about plastics and, and are making the decision to go to an alternative um, because of the environmental impacts, you know, is probably being one of the considerations. Um, so what's going to happen to my plastic bag on Mondays? I leave it out there after filling it up with leaves or, or grass. What happens to that bag? So the, the code officially changed on March 1, mm -hmm. so uh, last Monday. Um, uh, the first, um, but there's a grace period. So there's a grace period through April 19th, and the reason why we've used this discretion basically to have this grace period is to give the haulers a grace period themselves so they can contact and notify all their customers about the change. Um, so that's about a six-week period. Um, so they can notify them uh, by their mailers, their email, whatever method the hauler prescribes to communicate with their customer, um, but to share the message. And, and let them know that after the 19th, the material may be left on the curb or will be left on the curb. And so um, what I mean by that is if people are still bagging yard waste and plastic bags after April 19th and setting it out, um, the hauler will be able to tag that material and leave it there and, and basically say, we will not collect this. It's against the code requirement. And oh, the okay. expectation for the resident will be to rebag into a, a paper bag um, or try backyard composting with it, you know, try another alternative to handle that yard waste. Um, you know, but that grace period and then uh, lots of communication from the hauler to the resident in between. Um, and, and plus our messaging here, what we're doing on this EnviroPod, our website updates, we're really trying to get that message out. We've got a social media campaign that, going. That was my next question is how are how is the county or at least you guys really going to be, you know, I know we have millions and millions of listeners on this podcast, but those <laughs> folks that we're not getting, 
How, how is that message getting getting put out there? So the, it's it's really up to the haulers. That's the, their responsibility to notify their customers of the code change, and that's the way that we can get the communication out to everybody. Um, it's really hard to communicate with, uh, you know, 300,000 households that might be generating yard waste or that number somewhere around there. Uh, so it's, it's really hard to uh, be able to reach out and, and contact them all um, from the county standpoint. Uh, but if they're having a, a trash collection service, that hauler has that relationship. And the code that we have in the ordinance that was changed um, directly ties to that collection service. Um, and, and so that that's the the outreach and communication strategy to reach all the customers. Um, and at any point, you know, our residents can contact their service provider to ask mm -hmm. questions. Um, you know, we've been coordinating with them throughout the process um, through the transition year, um, you know, to the point where some haulers were already making a business decision before the code changed, notifying their customers that this yard waste season they weren't going to accept plastic bags anymore, for instance. So, um, you know, it's been an ongoing communication, uh, and I think it'll still continue, um, especially with these alternatives. Um, you know, there, you, you mentioned our website, um, but I do want to give a shout out to the Northern Virginia Soil and Water Conservation District as well. Okay. They're a great resource um, where you can find information on backyard composting, um, talk to a, a representative from there, then maybe help you with a lawn care kind of idea that you could do to change how you're doing things. Um, and uh, the Virginia Cooperative Extension also ha is a great resource. Um, of course, come to our website. We love that. Uh, and there's links there that you can find that other information as well. Um, you know, but uh, the pandemic made communication challenging for us. Mm -hmm. um, we did a lot uh, differently th this last year. We did our first webinar, for instance, um, for Recycles Day in November. Um, and I, I see that being more frequent this year, you know, since we're still in the pandemic. Um, and, and we're reaching out to HOAs and things like that. Right. Um, you know, so we're trying to cover all the bases that we can through this electronic form. Um, but it's a little different than being able to have, you know, large events with people coming and things like that. I think we need a guy with a, um, the sandwich placard. You the know, signboard? Yeah, the yeah. signboard just walking up with a bell, yeah. just ringing at the, you know. <laughs> yeah, dancing at the uh, intersection. Always. Yeah, we got they're, one of those guys out in Centerville. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're really talented. I'm like, what are you? Wow, you could probably find some other job to do if you do that. That's so well. So. so what are some of the other um, initiatives similar to this that might be happening here in the next year or two? So we're really excited about our, our food scraps drop-off locations. Right. So, we had someone come in. Yeah. Uh, uh, Miss Christine McCoy. Yeah, just a couple of months ago. Um, and I got a bin from her, and I am now dropping my scraps uh, across the street here. So oh, that's I, awesome. I, I uh, started to made a couple deposits already. And so joining that program. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're, uh, that's awesome, Scott. Thank you for, uh, recycling and participating as always in the programs. Um, uh, we're looking to expand uh, farmers markets. Um, we talked to the board about that uh, earlier this year, and um, we're working out all the details for that. But um, I know Jen you, Cole's talking about making sure we get rid of the plastic bags at the farmers markets. That's one of her big big topic to talk about so yes yes the so plastic bags are a challenge um uh, you know in terms of our, our programs we talked about the renovation going on at i-66 that we're really looking forward to that customer experience being improved um 
you know, I think the glass program is still going to be, you know, something that we're looking at growing, um, maybe not with a whole bunch of new locations, um, just because of all the challenges of the pandemic, it's kind of slowed down our, our offering Some there. Targeted prices. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I think the, um, as we start to open back up, uh, you know, I was optimistic before that um, our restaurants and our businesses that produce glass um, would start to be part of that program on the commercial side. And, and I'm optimistic that'll still happen, uh, of course, with everything being closed up or, or at least modified in terms of business. Um, you know, that wasn't necessarily a viable option for them. But I, I think we'll start to see that in the community uh, coming forward this year um, as things start to get back to normal. Um so very optimistic in that regard. Um, and, and recycling is improving. So uh, what I mean by that is um, uh, the recycling markets are actually getting better for what we're putting in our single stream bins at home. So if we can lower our contamination and stick to those materials that we've talked about before, right, right. it helps the whole system survive and actually makes it more economical. Um, and, and so that's community-wide. Everybody you know, that has a trash collection service has single stream recycling service. So uh, um, explain this. Tell me, I, I'm always interested in this. And sometimes you think, is it a good thing or a bad thing that the, the plastics are... The, it, so the market for the ones and twos recycled plastics are bumping up a little bit? It was mainly paper uh, that okay. we've seen some improvements okay. on. Uh, plastics have always been pretty steady and pretty decent. Um, plastics ones and twos, those um, narrow neck bottles and jugs. Um, but it's really the paper that we've seen increase oh, uh, in value. And come, I know come cardboard back. is always yes. Cardboard is also another one of uh, a good uh, commodity in the recycle stream, as well as metal. So um, the aluminum and tin food cans. Um, and if we can limit it to just those things, um, mm -hmm. you know, that really helps that whole system. But the fact that the markets are, are starting to look better, um, you know, it took some time from the national sword and China impacts to kind of settle out. And I think it's a mix of uh, domestic markets standing up, but also some different international markets that are standing up as well. Um, you know, because the, the materials we recycle here in Fairfax aren't recycled here in Fairfax. You know, they're baled into light materials. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have like a bale of um, bottles and jugs that would then be sold uh, onto a market to right. be repurposed into new plastic items. Um, and, you know, and those uh, processing facilities aren't in our area necessarily. So and, and that's that market based system. But the benefit of it improving um, makes it uh, a lot more. Um, viable for everybody and long-term success for recycling. So we're, we're optimistic that continues uh, this year. Um, and then the, uh, the other really big thing that I don't want to um, forget to mention is the zero waste for county and school operations. Um, and that's part of the Joint Environmental Task Force uh, recommendation mm -hmm. or initiative at this point um, for zero waste by 2030. So I'm part of a team and the team has people from our facilities management groups. It has people from the schools. Um, it has people from our purchasing department that, that buys all our stuff and does all our contracting. Um, and we're really looking at how the county and schools procures goods and services, um, uses them, and then ultimately recycles them um, with the goal of getting to that zero waste. So um, that's going to be something the plan will be um, put out in June, at the end of June of this year. It's a pretty short timeline, um, but we're working hard to get it done. And then uh, implementation will come shortly after. You know, the, the 
the long-term ambition of uh, nine years out is going to happen pretty quick when, yeah. when we talk about years, institutional changes uh, of how we um, really buy things and make decisions on the front end that impact the back of the system. So, uh, for example, give me so, – so what's something that we are buying now that we won't be buying in 10 years? Single-use plastics would probably okay. be the number one okay. for me. Uh -huh. um, and now the pandemic um, and health concerns, that raises a whole level of complication. But in a few years, if, if those concerns aren't there um, and we can go back to wash silverware, for instance, it's mm -hmm. kind of going back in time a little bit. Um, you know, when I, when I was a kid in school, we had uh, stainless steel forks I, and spoons and knives. I, I remember hearing the the clatter of that stuff when you turn it back in with your trays and stuff like that. So Exactly. But all that was not going into the waste bin, right? right? That was right. all being reused over and over and over. Um, and these single-use plastic items are one and done, like a you know 15-minute useful life, mm -hmm. and, and then it has to be disposed of. Um so looking at the right opportunities to limit the amount of what the county purchases, um, e either through contracts and like cafeterias in our facilities or even in the school system, you know, those are big changes and right. it's going to take some time. Uh, but you asked like by the end of the road, where are we oh, going to sure, be at? Sure. So, so that, that's why is some it's of them seem real easy, it's but, but, but it's going to be a, um, a challenge that, uh, you know, my team we're really leaning into and excited about as well as um, well you know if we look at zero waste and then uh, and then little to no carbon footprint uh, on on government buildings down the road you know that those are good um, stewards uh, of the environment that the county government is trying to be yep we're trying to be leaders I think is the our board of supervisors has really uh, made it clear that we want to be leaders in the environmental arena um, and it makes staff like me, like they, they get to work with the community to, to make these changes and, and work us through these changes. It, it makes it great because that's really why I got into this business mm -hmm. was to help our environmental condition. So, um, you know, it's an exciting time. Um, lots of big challenges, uh, but I think we're up for it. And, um, you know, I know uh, just talking about and the buzz that I feel from our team, it's a, it's a, a diverse group of agencies and departments. Right. So it's not just all solid waste people that get really excited about zero waste initiatives. Um, it's, it's, it's a team that really is coming at it from all angles and, and you know, our facilities. So, um, and, and that goes not just that goes with the our neighboring jurisdictions all within the Chesapeake Bay waterfront, I'm sure. You know, Arlington, Alexandria, Loudoun, Prince William, Fauquier. I'm sure that we all work together with those counties also. Yes, we do. Now, they don't necessarily take on the zero waste strategies mm -hmm. that we are. Um, you know, but they all have waste diversion of some sort, and they all have solid waste management plans that they submit to the state. Um, and, and that really kind of gives them the framework of how they're going to operate their system um, in terms of recycling and, and waste from the community. Um, uh, you know, I think being a leader in that regard and, and kind of having that banner for us um, will, will help, um, you know, lead the charge and we'll see others coming along with us. Um, some are already there uh, in, the, in the area, already have it. So, um, I, again, it's, it's, it's showing that we are leading the way and that, that, that we feel like it's important. Um, so that, that's another huge thing to look forward to this year. Yeah, well, that that's great as a as a county resident, you know, not just someone that works for the county, but certainly lives and 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 enjoys all the parks and the streams and walks through my neighborhood. Uh, you know, it all, it feels good to know that the county has these efforts and that you guys are out there, you know, not just collecting everything and doing what you have to do, but 
you're doing stuff to make it better for the employees, the workers, and the community itself. So that's pretty cool. That's right. It's, it's really trying to rethink of how we do business. Like, think before you buy it so you don't have to think about how you get rid of it at the end of the day yeah. when you don't need it. Yeah, interesting. Um, so it's kind of a whole mind change of, of that everything. That sounds very adult, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so, well, I, that's uh, anything else. Anything else that you want to chat about that we haven't brought up? Today? Um, I, You know, I just say thank you to all the residents of, uh, for um, you know, working through these changes and um, keeping a positive outlook and growing with us, uh, we're here for any assistance we can provide. Whether it's questions, answers, hopefully we have them. Um, if you have good ideas and you want to share them with us, we're all ears. Um, uh, we definitely know that there's a lot of bright people out there in our community, so um, any feedback's always welcome. Um, you can email us at recycling at fairfaxcounty.gov. Um, and that, that's our email. We, we can definitely get um, that information and, and learn from it. Um, in terms of what expectations to have, one thing I didn't mention, I just want to mention real quick, Scott, is um, after April 19th at our, our sites at the I-66 transfer station at the I-95 landfill, plastic bags will no longer be accepted for yard waste. So mm -hmm. if you bring it in, it, you'll get turned away. Um, you know, really trying to make it clear that that's not going to be part of our recycling system for that material um, going forward. So. I didn't mention that before. It's important that, you know, curbside collection will, will cease, and that's when you'll start to see tagging and, and material being left at the curb that's in plastic. But also if it's brought to our facilities um, for recycling, we're going to make sure that uh, it's clear that plastic bags aren't accepted. So when you come in now, you'll see we have flyers and information there uh, for the people that do self-haul. Um, you know, but that was something we didn't talk about, and I wanted right. to make sure right. I mentioned. Okay. Well, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Appreciate all that you do, and thanks for coming back out again. I'm sure we'll we'll have you out again uh, to see how how this season went and how it's going to go. We'll hook back up uh, in the fall. Sounds good. Thank all you right. for uh, allowing me to be the three P um, first three P. That's right. That's great. right. You are the Tom Hanks or the Steve Martin <laughs> of uh, <laughs> <Viropod>. Awesome. <laughs> So that's it for this episode of Fairfax County EnviroPod. If you want to hear more, you can find us at fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcast and, of course, the DPWES website, where there are also a lot more information about all the topics that we discuss. You can find the show on iCloud, uh, iCloud iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, any other uh, podcast service. Um, and if you've got any questions or comments or an idea for a topic to be discussed, you can email us at swpdmail at fairfaxcounty.gov or call 703-324-5821. And, of course, I have to thank my good friend Irene Hask for setting all these up and keeping the show running. And uh, thank you for joining us. Um, that's it for this episode. For EnviroPod, I'm Scott Coco.